0: Welcome aboard the USS Aeronome. To become a member of our crew, please visit perfectorganism.com slash support. As a patron of Perfect Organism, you'll receive exclusive perks and early access to content. Incoming audio transmission received. Please proceed to sub-deck 3 to
1: begin playback. Thank you, and welcome aboard.
2: Sweethearts, what are
0: you waiting for? Breakfast in bed? <clears throat> Another glorious day in the Corps. Day in the Marine
2: Corps is like a day on the farm. Heavy meals and banquet. Heavy paycheck, of fortune. Heavy formation, of parade. I love the Where's Baskin? <sighs> Let's rock! Yeah! 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 Welcome to Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga Podcast. I'm your host, James Prater, and I'm joined by co-hosts, and we will go around, starting with Patrick. What up?
3: It's
4: Patrick. And me, Connor.
3: Yeah, Sean here, too.
2: What happened to Clara?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm Clara.
0: There's a bit of a time yes. delay.
1: I'm Clara. Too.
0: Sorry, I'm all the way in Australia, even though I have <laughs> in the future. I'm still <laughs>
1: delayed. <laughs> we, should, we should point out, so we have, we're connecting from New Zealand, Australia, Scotland, Los Angeles, the Pacific Northwest boston that's pretty that's pretty geographically dispersed i have to say
2: yes it is
1: but so and, Claire, uh, and so- then also mike did you did you say hi hi Mike here <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> so tonight we are here to discuss um essentially the uh the relevance in, of Aliens in kind of our, our, our modern culture and the I would say like the legacy of the film and how it's kind of affected us, but really how it's affected everything. Um, this is a, a, another entry into our 40 Miles of Bad Road series. Um, it's been really exciting. This is our, our our first formal round table with kind of all of the gang. So thank you everyone. Thank you everyone for coming and for uh, being here tonight and I'm excited to talk about it.
1: Any questions? What is it, private? How do I get out of this chicken shit outfit?
2: I think we can just kind of start off um, the this episode really just kind of talking about, like, what, I, I'm interested in kind of what alien mean, aliens means to us to kind of get us into it. Like, how does this, is this, I mean, this, this film really sits in a place in fandom that's very special and very different from every other film and I'm curious what that's like where that is for everyone and I want to start with you Mike
5: All right, yeah Um, well I think if I had to put Aliens anywhere um, it would be out of the original four I'd put it as my third favorite Um, I didn't really have a strong connection with it growing up. Um, when I was a kid, I, I've, I've seen Alien dozens of times. When I was when I was a kid, I saw it first when I was uh, very very young, and that that always stuck with me. And Aliens I saw much much later. Um, so uh, Aliens really developed. I developed interest in Aliens um, because I liked the the action aspect first of all. That was the very first thing I thought of because I was still very young. Um, So just the idea that there were Marines, and there were guns, and explosions, and violence, um, it got me really interested. Um, Further along though, uh, I think I've come to appreciate the nuance in it more than I ever have, uh, especially because of what we've been talking about. Um, It never hit that for me when I was a kid. I just thought things were really cool, and every big idea or theme kind of passed over my head. and. Yeah, I mean, I really don't, I, I'm probably the one here that has the least, con, like, deep connection to it from a childhood uh, uh, standpoint. So, um, yeah, that's that's really my story.
0: Clara here. I, it's really hard to say, because for me, I kind of watched um, Alien and Aliens so close together, because my um, cousin uh, was watching it. Uh, alien to prepare to watch aliens and then uh, I think we went to the cinema and I watched aliens and it was just the the two uh, first movies are very much connected for me and it it left such an impression on me seeing uh, the alien queen it was just so much so larger than life like when when you're a like a three-year-old or four-year-old when I was watching this it was just ginormous uh, to see. It's this kind of like seeing a dinosaur when, when you watch Jurassic Park. It was just so amazing to see something like that. And there's this sort of real sort of fear because like, you see all of these army marine types as strong. And you see them being overwhelmed by the xenomorph because you've only seen one in the first movie and then the second movie introduces a whole new uh, level of combat with them. So it's like Um, numbers versus numbers and then you've got uh, Ripley as well and she's kind of coming out of her PTSD that there's that initial uh, like she stops just before she goes into the compound because she's she knows what she's going up against and she's resistant and then um, she kind of pulls herself out of that trauma to help Newt and they're both kind of suffering it together but they, they know that they have to try to get through the night to survive. And um, there's just so much I love about this movie. There's the design of the queen, which is my, my second favorite in the series. My first favorite would have to be the runner. Um, and then there's the very iconic fight um, with, the power loader as well. That was really cool because, like, I love anything sort of tech and, like, extensions of the uh, human body and, and that would be with that sort of technology, fighting the queen. Um, I also really absolutely love Bishop. <laughs> no surprises there. And um, I think Lance Hendrickson uh, does a really great job of playing that sort of ambiguous android role because you don't quite know whether he's good or bad because of our encounter with ash initially in the first movie so there's just there's so so much to be enjoyed in this and, and although i don't really watch it for the marines because maybe i don't know maybe it's more of a guy thing that the um people seem to be more connected to the marines but for me it's always been about uh ripley newt and bishop and maybe hicks But that's it and the crane
5: well clara i um i introduced some people to aliens recently and um every every person who's seen it so far says bishop is probably their favorite thing about the movie um and and my girlfriend especially uh, yeah (laughs) i knew you'd like that and especially like my girlfriend loves the ai aspect and the the androids and um the more the people i show it to now like in 2018 they really Put aliens farther down than maybe we got. We all of us would have back when we saw it, which is I don't know. It's an interesting phenomena uh, worth looking into.
1: I agree that is an interesting yeah. phenomenon. Before we go around, can I take a pause for a second? Um, I have personally had a very hard time capturing Lance hendrickson's voice <laughs> like, when I'm like reading like the comics to the kids or something, and I'm, I'm like trying to like do a bishop impression. I have like a, a really hard time doing it, so I was wondering, um, can we hear some some Lance Henriksen impressions? <laughs> does anybody does anybody want to give it a shot? It's so hard. I wouldn't even dare oh, okay, my sure. <laughs> How about how about So I'll go first. Ready?
2: I can't repair the dish.
0: <laughs> what? That
1: sounds
2: like <laughs> Lance <laughs> Henriksen as mafia. I, I I can't repair the dish.
3: What was that? Maybe
2: artificial. <laughs> well, I ain't stupid. i
4: Post the linguine. Meatball. I'm going to repair the dish. Uh, not, just, no.
3: not bad for a human.
1: No, that's good. That, that was, was good. that was better. That was good. I You didn't hit voices. Did I
3: give it a You didn't set a very high bar <laughs> no, there.
1: To be, to be fair, I am doing an impression of just the Godfather, so, you know. Um. I can, I can, I can Sometimes go next. I can dive
2: bomb. Someone. You gotta be a
1: stranger. Yeah. You gotta be a oh. stranger. <laughs> that was pretty good. good. There's a there's an ongoing joke in shoulder of Ryan that I can't do a Harrison Ford impression without basically making it sound like Christian Bale's Batman. So that's that's oh, um God. that's the kind <laughs>
4: <Yeah. isn't> it? <laughs> well, it sounds that's more like Bane than mean. Batman. It's, a bit, it's sort yeah. of a bit,
1: the moral of the story is I can't or do like fucking Bush impressions that. of anybody. Um. I'll go I'll go quick you know I've talked quite a lot about aliens on this so I won't take very much time but my personal relationship with it is really firmly rooted in my childhood and I have a very hard time separating myself from that interpretation of it and part of why I personally have been so excited about this series is that it's the first time that I'm really going back and systematically unpacking it as a movie and not just as this shared cultural experience that I kind of feel like has always been been there because alien you know I, I saw alien first as a kid but I fell in love with Aliens first as a child. That was the one... You know, I, I mean, I loved Alien, and I was obviously fixated on it, but Aliens was the one that I kept watching and I kept going back to, and obviously the Kenner toys were and have been an enormous part of my life, and that whole Operation Aliens angle um, was was really big. And I feel like, um, as a kid, it, it, there was something really appealing to me about the fundamental optimism of Aliens and the worldview that that um, portrays, that the world is a place where there are Huge problems that if you're brave enough and and if you have enough compassion and enough insight and you believe in yourself and in each other, you can get through the storm and you can triumph, you know? Um, all of the other alien films to varying degrees are based in some way, in my opinion, on an existential nihilism, on almost like there's uh, that the universe is cruel and the universe doesn't give a shit about you. and you And it's what you do in that situation that determines your your character, and that 's why Ripley is so indelible I think, but in aliens there's this interesting subversion of that where it's almost like through superior firepower you can overcome anything you know, and I think it comes out of the the milieu in which it was created we've talked a lot about it in this podcast, which i won't you know get into again, but you know it's no coincidence that this was made in in the early to mid nineteen eighties and I think part of why perhaps it doesn't feel as um I don't want to say relevant because it is still relevant, but but maybe, maybe part of why it's not quite as um, lionized in fandom as it once was is because that worldview is a little bit more problematic sometimes now. It's a little bit more complicated, and I think it's something that isn't just the easy sort of like, oh, we're going to go in there with superior firepower and we're going to win. Of course, what James Cameron was doing with the movie wasn't saying that you win through superior firepower. The whole point of it was to say that, um, you know, in Vietnam, you know, we lost not because we weren't funded better and we didn't have better weapons, but because we weren't prepared for what we were really up against, you know? Um, so like, so the movie itself isn't actually selling that, but I think a lot of people seeing it see it through that lens, you know? And I think, um, it's interesting. Mike, you're absolutely right. And I do hope we get to come back to that point in this episode about how it's changed over time, you know, vis a vis cultural appreciation. Um, but, but personally, I, I definitely fell away from aliens somewhat. In my uh, early adulthood, I kind of felt like it was corny and it was dated, and I, and I really fell much harder in love with Alien 3, which I did not love as a child. I liked it, but I wasn't in love with it. And then aliens kind of subsided, and Alien 3 to me became—it kind of took that place. And it still in some ways does have that spot, because for me it goes Alien, Alien 3, Aliens. Um, but now in my, in my fatherhood, I am rediscovering aliens as an adult and finally getting to distance myself, um, from my childhood experience of watching it somewhat because I'm able to observe children watching it. We were just watching it again tonight with the kids and, um, and seeing the, the wonder in their faces and seeing how excited they are and seeing how, how enthralled they are and how many questions they have about the technology and about what happened on LV426 and about all these different things, um, you realize like, this is something that is is truly evergreen, and there's enough going on in it that it's always relevant, but it's what you choose to focus on that determines, I think, its place in your life at any given time. And again, I'm just glad that we have this opportunity to unpack it because I feel like I could use more aliens in my life again.
5: Have your kids watched it multiple times, Patrick?
1: Oh, yeah.
5: Do they they really like it then, huh?
1: Yeah, Jude actually tonight told me specifically he's like, uh, you know, I want to officially tell you, because he knew that we were going to record this tonight, um, that Aliens is my favorite. For years, it was Pacific Rim. Like, nothing could unseat Pacific Rim. And he was like, you know what, Daddy? Aliens is my favorite movie. And I was like, yeah! I was like, that's the right answer. <laughs> that's
4: good parenting right there.
1: <laughs> yeah, but i got to say, know, that's an
4: absolute parenting win. <laughs> do you love the movie at all? Or do you, like, play it the whole way through?
1: Um, So, I... I there's a couple of things that I uh use bookmarks to skip over unless they want to watch it. One of them is is just when they when they find um you know the woman in the wall and she wakes up cuz I think that's a little bit scary for them. But other than that, um we pretty much watch the whole thing. You know, we we don't necessarily do it all in one night cuz we we usually do the special edition of it and it's you know it's pretty long. So we'll do it you yeah. know one half one night, another half um the next night. They have their own copies of the DVD. For all the films, so like so, and the, you know they have their own TV that we keep in the attic in like the game room. So when we do movie Tomorrow nights with Knight, the kids, watching The Exorcist. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um. So like you know they 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 feel really proud of it. They they fucking love Aliens. They they really do. And I don't blame them. And you know when we go downstairs and play, like when we play with our you know imaginations, it's usually either Ghostbusters or Colonial Marines. You know, and there's a reason for that. You know, there's a reason why that captures the imagination so much of children and of adults because I, I play it too you know
3: and and on that uh, that kind of brings a good point as to how I, I got into aliens um i watched it i think for the first time when about five or six and what really drew me in was on one side you got this these these fascinating beasts who are, are so terrifying but there's just something about them which absolutely fascinated me and then on the other side unlike alien where they're they're kind of normal people you know obviously you got the marines and and as a, a young boy that's what you play as isn't it you know, i mean you, that's your dream and I, that's i think initially what really drew me in to alien specifically out of anything in the series um and it's always been for me i i This is going to sound like such a sellout answer, but I've never been able to kind of um, place one above the other between Alien and Aliens. Um, The order which I like, the other ones always seem to chop and change, but I can never separate the first two.
4: I think I have to put nine as it will be number one for me. Definitely has to be. Um,
1: Wait, Covenant, right, you're saying, Connor? Oh, no. Sorry, co- co- oh, covenant. Covenants that, are. Okay? Okay, We're not turning. I, I just want to make sure nonsense. I didn't mishear you. I, I just, you know. <laughs>
4: <laughs> no, but um, it, it's funny when you're talking about aliens as well because it's so the movie's so expansive that sometimes you're you're sitting there and you're like, shit, what did we talk about? There's so many layers to the movie; it's unreal. But I'm like Sean, where I viewed it at a very young age, and you sort of go from like Disney movies to aliens, and you're just like wow you're sort of like drooling for two and a half hours all the way through it's like yep, dad can i just steal this vhs i'm going to watch upstairs like three times in a row but it's just i'm trying to think of the, another point to describe it it's the fact that as sean said you've got the aliens which you can just stare at them for hours even though the funny thing is apart from the queen every shot of the aliens and aliens is like super cut you only see them for like a split second and that's it but the Queen is the point where you really start like getting amazed because she's got more screen time than any alien in any of the movies, I think.
1: She has more screen time than like Apon.
4: <laughs> she has yeah, exactly. screen right.
1: so much.
2: It was like when you, I secu- them,
3: you secure a- that shit right now, Patrick.
2: Yeah, you secure, you secure that shit. You'll get lip cancer smoking though.
3: I can't repair the dish. <laughs> <laughs> Look into my eye.
1: <laughs> Bishop, God damn you
5: Well that that's the beautiful thing about aliens, right? is that that it's it's expanded the universe so much that most of these comics that we get and extras are based on aliens. And all those goofy toys with Bishop having like mecha machine guns and and ridiculous shit like that. You know, it's all from Aliens, and Aliens is, I think, we shouldn't crap on it. Uh, or, the pe- you know, people who are having this kind of resurgence of, like, oh, Alien 3 uh, is the best one, and Aliens is, eh. Like, we do owe Aliens quite a bit uh, from a fandom perspective. It's, it's created a lot.
4: Yeah, a blew it right up.
2: Like everyone else, or most people, except for Mike, um, Aliens was my first uh, experience, my first uh, viewing experience of any film in the series. Um, It was before Alien 3 came out. Everybody knows the story. We've been over it before. And then when Alien 3 did release, I kind of started, I gravitated to it way more than Aliens. And um, uh, I really kind of shortchanged Aliens for a long, long, long time. In fact, I've come around to this, this, um, New found appreciation, but not just appreciation, but really understanding what Cameron was doing with, with Ripley and with the series. I think it, the series became what we know of it because of Aliens. Without Aliens, Alien 3 would not be as impactful. Um, Ripley's story would not be as uh, wouldn't matter to much to us as much without Aliens. Um, and it really, and I think it's it's really, you know, and this will kind of move into our, our other topic, you know, aside from what it, what you have to say, Patrick, but like, or the larger topic in terms of like, how alien sets the standard for science fiction. I mean, really, it's the litmus test. I mean, whether it's Independence Day, the first one, um, Starship Troopers, so many films um, are kind of out to Alien Resurrection, replicate that um, that I don't know beautiful camaraderie and wonder of aliens and uh, most films have failed when they've tried um, and that it kind of only leaves aliens um, and I, I really I think that uh, it, it just can't be said enough how important and powerful the film is now it's still not my favorite it's probably my third favorite um, I'm getting flipped off by Dan right now after saying that <laughs> Um, but I, I just I think that culturally it is fun, it is a phenomenon, um, and I also think that it's not just a phenomenon because of the, the 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 presence of the Marines or the setting, but also Ripley became who we know as Ripley in Aliens, and she became that Ripley before we knew Sarah Connor as Sarah Connor. There was Ripley, and uh, there have been. You know, Sarah Connor obviously is a different character. She's from Terminator, but there's a, a there is a, a, a parallel that there was a parallel there. But Sarah Connor is no Ripley. That's for sure. And we I think we all know it. But really, it's just it's set up this this framework for really what an amazing sequel can be and how you do a sequel right. And I don't think it's seen its equal, to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, and uh, and, and how you have such like tremendous bravery and audacity in making a sequel, you know, like just totally shooting for the moon and and somehow going past it. My my, my brief point before we just move on quick was that I, I, I defy any of those people who say that Aliens is not a good or a relevant movie to watch it for two minutes and find that they can easily turn it off. I feel like aliens. It's something where when you don't engage with it regularly, it's it's easy to start relegating it to the sort of like, oh, it's a sort of eighties action film. Like it's it's had its day. It's blah blah blah, and and then you watch it, and you know, within twelve frames, you're just totally glued because it's just it's a piece of of magic filmmaking, I think. But um, that's all I was gonna say. I I totally agree with you, Jamie. The impact that it's had on filmmaking and on science fiction is incalculably large.
3: I think partly what makes Aliens, so special is it? It's just there's so many layers to unpack with it. You've got the characters, you've got the marines, you've got uh, obviously the aliens. You've got you know the music. Uh, personally, for me, it's got my the favorite music of all of all the alien movies. I know people rate really 3 Yeah, yeah. God damn you! That's... There's your hot take <laughs> right there.
2: There's your hot take. That's a little controversy. Uh,
3: yeah, uh, you know there's.
1: The,
3: it brings new things. It brings you the queen. It brings you things like the power load loader, the APC, you know, an Android, which is good, but you're not too sure, as Clara mentioned earlier. Like, there's just pretty much everything put into the movie adds stuff to it. And and you can't really say that about too many movies out there. So it's, I don't know. I don't really know where I'm going with this, but it's a very layered movie. Like, there's lots of components. I, I, I can't think. Of one particular thing, you can say that's why this movie is successful. That is why this movie is so long-standing, and that's why we have this this fan following of this film because it's not just one aspect to it. There's multiple things which make this movie. Yeah, it's
2: everything. Everything firing on all cylinders is why it's so good, and it's lightning in a bottle, and it's never been able to be captured. And I think, even though this is a discussion about aliens. Why David Fincher was so, and that story, and why that film was so, in my opinion, successful, because he's like, I'm not trying to do that again. And that's what I think James Cameron was like. He was like, I'm not going to try and do Alien. I got to do my own thing. And he did his own thing, even though in some ways there's some repetition and some mirroring of elements that we've seen in Alien. Aliens was lightning in a bottle and everything was working, whether it was Ripley and all the supporting casts in the setting and the creature and the queen. It just its this cocktail of something that you just it just it turned out right. But I also think James Cameron is really underrated. Um, but again, I think it set this it set up this litmus test for other films. And I think it's it's Aliens is part of the reason why the, so many other films in the, in the, the franchise have struggled. Um, it's a hard, it's a hard bar to pass, you know.
1: And I, and I don't, I don't mean to put a, a nuclear bomb on this episode right now, so we can move on from this conversation. But that, to me, is the essence of why the Blomkamp Alien Five idea is so, is so bad. Because I think that to to recapture the magic of aliens, without it coming across like some sort of, um, you know, parody or some sort of an anachronism, to be able to recapture the the actual magic that aliens had. And also justify bringing these characters back, and also justify retconning Alien Three. To me, is a is a triple threat that almost could never be overcome. And I think we've seen whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm backing him up on this. I agree. I just I don't think I don't following. think that it's possible. I I don't think that he could
2: do well, that. I don't think you have to. You can't set out to oh we're going to do better than Aliens or as good as Aliens. I don't even think that's what. Blomkamp was doing. I know we're not talking about this, but you can't bring this up and you got not get some pushback for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that they he was passionate about an idea and he wanted to make it. And that's a great setup yeah, as but far that I'm idea concerned. Was a bad the, one. the jury's out. You well, can't I mean, that jury is, is not out. You know,
5: Ridley Scott is as passionate as any director, and he wanted to explore this jockey thing back even after Alien. And I mean it hasn't turned out well for a lot of people, you know. So <laughs> I, you can have the best intentions. And true, I think Blomkamp does true. really, really appreciate Aliens. I don't think he would do... I think it would be a visually amazing movie. It would have some great performances, but from a story standpoint and chronological standpoint, everything that the base of Alien is right now that we know of would just be thrown out the window and I can just only imagine the conversations we'd have. For it better would or for be worse. Insane. It would probably but, be a great the Ridley podcast, from
2: nineteen The 1980s would have made Prometheus, a much better version of Prometheus. The version that he made was just awful. All right, right all, all, all to... right, all right, all right. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna recant my statement. this I just, um, this, this is <laughs> I just go down want to say stand. though,
0: with Blomkamp's uh, Alien Five, I, I do think that it would be interesting for him to revisit the world. And if he didn't include Ripley, Hicks, and Newt, and just had his own storyline, then I would accept it. But I, I, sure. I have exactly. to agree with Mike exactly. that if you retread. If you retread old ground, or you you put yourself at risk to make a, a pale shadow of what it really could have been, and, and that's what it would be, dragging Sigourney Weaver back into the series, and everyone keeps saying, you know, that's a really great idea, but then those same people uh, do not like Alien 3 or Alien Resurrection, and I'm like, have you got a short memory come on like (laughs) if you don't even want to recognize the two films where she had a lot of artistic control uh then you know what makes you think that Blomkamp would be able to deliver a film that you're going to like that she's going to have probably just as much as control as she had previously and and maybe that's why uh Fox decided to shelve the projects for for the meantime who knows so I, I can understand people loving these characters and I can understand people hating Alien 3 because those characters died, but we're talking about the Alien universe here. There's no happy endings, and, and the reason why people love Aliens is because it's probably w- one out of two movies that has a happy ending, and uh, Alien Resurrection was the other movie that has a happy ending, and no one likes that movie. So, so you mm-hmm. know, I just... <laughs> I just think that people are wanting something really unreasonable aliens is a great movie it can't be compared to anything else and anything that tries to make a a revival or a comeback for it is going to be pale in comparison just like the the new ghostbusters movie i love the ghostbusters franchise so much but I did not like the new movies. I understand what they tried to do, and it just didn't work. And I feel like that if they did that with Alien 5, or if they did this with a a retreading of Aliens, or a reboot or something, I would just, I would not like it. Sorry. Sorry to go on that rant. I'm just really passionate about
1: about that. I
2: think that that you're right, Clara. I just think that, I don't think people expect the unreasonable people just and I've said this, I know I'm a broken record, people just want a character to believe in and they have, they don't have one. And so they're pivoting some. back to what's comfortable, and I'm not saying that that's the right thing to do. I'm just saying that's what people are doing. That's what I'm doing, for better I, or for worse.
1: I will say, I will say, I will say, I will say, that I did read the Alien 3 Gibson unproduced script comic book, issue number one today, which we maybe at the end we can kind of touch on that. Um, no, spoilers. I, I did, no, no spoilers. No yeah. spoilers. But everybody knows the story pretty much. And, uh, I did get chills seeing certain characters, um, having survived. So I, I'm not, I'm not immune to that as a fan. Like, I, I, I understand and, and I have fought with the fact that Alien 3 is so devastatingly hard to watch for my whole life. And that's part of why I love it so much is, is the journey that it's taken me on as a fan. That you go from Aliens, which basically ends with the ultimate triumph, right? It is, it is the epitome of good overcoming evil, you know, and, um, and then right away in Alien 3, which was made, you know, only a handful of years later, but in this vastly different world environment, um, in, in a vastly different geopolitical system and in a vastly less, um, you know, I mean, it, it, it came on the heels of a lot of different, you know, the, the dissolution of the Soviet Union, all these different things going on in culture. And the world is a very different place when, you know, 1992 rolled around. Than um, the mid 80s. And so I, I think that we ha- as a fandom had to go through that journey to appreciate aliens in a more lasting way because now we can see it in contrast with what came before and what came after. And that is why it's relevant. And that's why it's not blockbusterism. That's why it's not just this sort of tentpole action movie. You know, obviously it's more than that in the way that it's made. But I do think that we would look at it differently had it been the first of many of these blockbustery big set piece sort of action um, films where, you know, good triumphs over evil every time. I think we had to have evil destroying good right at the beginning of Alien 3 and then good um, winning in a very small but extraordinarily deep way at the end of Alien 3 for that trilogy to work. And I think that's what locked it into place for me um, for the rest of my life, you know,
2: was was that the relationship between those three films. So I don't mean to but get Don't track, you guys but... think though a little bit uh, that aliens perhaps set up this, it almost set the rest of the the um, series up for failure in some ways, because how do you not top it, but how do you even get to that level? And I think that's been one, difficulty, you know, the, 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 the current, the courageous thing to do, which is also the thing that pissed everyone off or a lot of people was alien three. Well, let's not go there. Let's do a different thing. Let's tell a different story. Let's make this more realistic, like Clara was saying. But at the same time, I think that aliens also, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's considered one of the best sequels of all time. How do you, how do you make another film that, that? that reaches that uh i don't know if is that even possible
5: well and i think that's evident from the number of scripts that we get for alien 3 and the constant process of trying to figure out something that works and something that's going to impact people as much and like patrick was saying that you had to raise a bar and raising that bar happened to be one of the most tragic things you could possibly do with aliens and um i think with the gibson script as nice as it is it it feels a bit dated, and maybe it, at the time and and now, it feels a bit dated with the Cold War uh, aspect to it. Um, it, it. I guess what I'm trying to say is I understand why Alien 3 did what it did. Because, like Jamie, what you're saying, Aliens is such such a magnificent triumph of a film, uh, and, and story-wise and everything, that it, like you said, it's so hard to talk.
1: You know, I've been thinking a lot about what you said Jamie and I think that it is actually impossible to set out to make a better film than a film that's a masterpiece when it's already in the pipeline of a of a franchise like that and I think you have to allow accidents to happen and you have to be the sort of temperament and the sort of person and working for the sort of studio that allows accidents to flourish into beautiful New avenues, and I'm thinking a lot. I know you and I have been talking about this. Um, Orson Welles' final film was was recently released, and it's on Netflix, which is fucking amazing. And there's a documentary made about the process of making his his final movie. That's also on Netflix. It's called They'll Love Me When I'm Dead. And he says something that I can't get out of my head right in the beginning of it because because you know he he was pretty self-effacing, which is amazing considering what a Titanic genius he was. Um, you know, but he he was pretty honest with this um, awareness that a lot of the successes that he's had have come, come about as a result of things going wrong and having to deal with it. And that he actually ended up having a lot of faith in that process as he grew as a filmmaker, you know, because all of his big successes were basically in the first 40 years of his life, you know? Um, and then after that, he had to kind of allow fate to play a role and allow accidents to happen and adapt to them. And then some miraculous stuff came out of that. Um, I think it's a similar situation when you have a blockbuster franchise like this, <clears throat> where if you set out to do this masterpiece, by the book, by the numbers, I'm uh, <laughs> in my head I'm going into Aliens uh, dialogue again, but by the numbers, and, and you and you set out to make basically a movie that is just building on the success of the previous entry in the franchise, I don't think it will work, because I think half of your audience will be going there to have their expectations subverted, and half the audience will be going there to have their expectations doubled down upon. And neither of them will be happy because there will be a mixture of both of those things. I think you have to have a crazy serendipitous event happen, like Alien 3, which, you know, sure, it went through a lot of rewrites on a lot of different creative teams, but also, at the end of the day, as we covered pretty extensively, like, the the final shooting script was a complete nightmare of a Frankenstein thing that was cobbled together you know, uh, using duct tape and cigarettes, you know, like it was something that took all of these weird elements of something and the shoot was already going on and they already had the budget and people were already shooting and there were sets that were already built and the cinematographer was sick and all these different things were going on. And they were like, we have to make this movie. Let's just fucking do it. And because for whatever reason, Guyler and Hill and, and then Fincher were of a temperament or of a, of a time when they were more receptive to accidents happening, um, it, we got this thing that's a masterpiece you know, that's really revealed itself as a masterpiece over, over the years. So I don't know how you do it intentionally. I, I don't know how you get a Blade Runner 2049 on purpose, you know, although it, they did. <laughs> it's it's, it's Well, I,
2: I think they, they approached 2049 the way that they should have, which was we're not setting out to make a better film. We're setting out to make a different film that honors the film but I, I, but I'm to pivot back to aliens, though, and I, I guess I'll throw this question out there for everyone. Uh, I think maybe even with the prequels, and we've seen how you know the the reception is so mixed, um, and violent, um, and passionate, um, but you know there's no real consensus. Um, aliens, and I, I wonder if this is kind of weird to say, but I feel like the prequels might have fared better without aliens the prequels are a little bit more in line with alien than it, they are with aliens. And I think aliens is so monolithic and so impactful and continually in this, the, the conscious and subconscious of all of us. Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, we are, we're hearing rumors that maybe, uh, the alien series is going to be about, uh, the colonial Marines, And I think that Probably a great idea, but at the, at the same time, they probably think that's the only route to go um, because all these other routes that they've gone haven't really produced much revenue, which is kind of really what what it's all about at the end of the day. but um and I as much as we're celebrating aliens for this forty miles of bad Road series, I also think it's it's been a roadblock for the series, and I, I'm curious what uh, like Connor and Sean, what you guys think.
3: Personally, I would disagree with that. um I think the reason the prequels—you can say failed—whether you know, uh whether or not people like them or not. I, you compare them to Alien and Aliens. I'm sure they got a much bigger box office, and they uh, i would say they've m- made more money. But that's a bit unfair considering how long they've been out. But the fact that the, the prequels aren't looked back as fondly as Aliens uh, or Alien. Uh, there's many other factors i don't think that aliens comes directly into play you look at the characters are they well written you know don't compare it just to aliens compare them on their own merit and i don't necessarily agree that they are Uh, i think you can't really slate aliens for being too good for the franchise when the prequels by themselves on their own merit not taken into account anything from aliens wasn't up to par like the the idea was there, uh, and I can see the direction that they were trying to take with Prometheus, and that's why I personally I agree. Uh, personally, I think that Prometheus is better than Covenant. Another hot take there, but you look at both those movies, and they're both flawed in their own way. Um, you know, I, I personally I, I enjoy all of them, um, but they're, they're flawed movies. Whereas you look at Aliens, you look at what flaws there are in Aliens. There's not that many. At all, if any, uh, in my eyes, it's close to being the perfect movie. Uh, I don't think the reason that the prequels failed is because aliens were so good. I think if the prequels were written correctly, developed characters, you know because as as you've also mentioned before that we want someone we can care about and invest in, and these prequels haven't given us that, and that's no fault because of Ripley being so good in aliens. The fact that they've not written Daniels, you know, we we don't really care about Daniels, uh, or Shaw, for that matter. I, I can't see how you can... I mean, I, I can understand what you're trying to say, and Aliens did set the bar up extremely high, and for anything to beat that is going to be... I'll be impressed if anything ever does, in my eyes, to be honest. Uh, but I don't think that the failure, or, or the perceived failure of the prequels, can be Put down to aliens because they they didn't do their job correctly in the, in the prequels is what I'm trying to say.
4: Yeah, um, I think the problem with the prequels was just Prometheus as a whole because Prometheus itself is such a shaky movie. Like everything is just so disjointed, you can't make any sense of it. But then you have Covenant after that, which is yeah, it's a better movie that was built on shaky foundations and. Um, like Sean said, I mean, you could have done better writing on certain parts of it and the whole fact that the Aliens only in it at the very end, which generally cinemagoers are one that just go and see the film for not just the Alien, but that's one of the main focal points. I'll agree that Aliens is pretty much a behemoth. There's probably no surpassing it, no matter what you do. But I don't think that means that it's a roadblock. It just means that you don't have to make a better movie. You just make a good one. uh, The thing that annoys me so much with this series is, okay, prequels, it was an interesting idea, but any fucking writer worth their salt could have written a sequel after Alien 3. And like that. That's just what I don't understand. And sure enough, it doesn't have to be this big bombastic movie like what Aliens was, but build upon it. I mean, Ripley's dead, sure, yeah, but doesn't mean you have like you need her to continue the series like with the resurrection just respect her legacy and move on from that i think that's really the whole problem but it's such a problem that i think is easy to fix
2: they're trying to recreate her over and over yeah
4: yeah exactly and it just disrespects her character even more i
3: think partly why covenant and and maya is failed. Was they marketed it as an alien movie? At least with Prometheus, it was set within it's obviously within the alien universe, but it wasn't out there as an alien movie. It was kind of put out there uh, as what happens before Alien. Whereas with Alien, like they, they kind of changed directions mid move, like uh, between movies rather. And yeah. It's like, is this meant to be an aliens thing or is this a, a prequel to Aliens? And the moment they changed it, because it was going to be called something else, I can't remember. Was it was like Paradise. Paradise or... Lost. Yeah, but something like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, the moment they changed it to aliens, in my eyes, that that was a big mistake. You know, that they shouldn't have written the alien, the xenomorph in, in Covenant to be so strong. Like to me, that's kind of alien is when the alien becomes uh, an identity and and something we see and we're familiar with. Uh, for me, the idea of the prequels, and this is why I, I quite like Prometheus, is it was trying to explore you as to what was. You know the, the space jockey and alien, and and it was kind of a build up towards that, uh, and then the change of direction between the, between the movies that that really, well, personally that 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 shunted me off, and uh, I've always preferred Prometheus over over Covenant. But so uh, we're getting a bit sidetracked here.
2: <laughs> but I'm wondering though if Aliens, as a again as a sequel and a part of a series. I, I feel like it's also the the film that is every other film in the genre of science fiction that has come out since is measured up to. um and it's hard to get science fiction. It's hard to get a good science fiction film that's really well made and uh, uh, just you know it's it's a very difficult thing to do. um and I don't there are very few that are successful. I mean, and even the ones that, for instance, like I love Annihilation. Patrick does too, but there are people up there who would be like, oh, no, it's terrible because of blah, 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 blah. Um, there's always yeah, – there, it's they're, hard to get They're cons- wrong, though, this thing. <laughs> right. I agree. Very, very, very wrong. <laughs> so wrong. Uh, totally wrong. God damn you! Um, but I, I, I feel wrong. like in terms of like, uh, <laughs> like even – I mean even – I don't know. I mean we could just like pick a, a science fiction film – out of the, you know, that's come out since then and say, you know, does it, has it measured up? And um, there's a little bit of a reflection in there. I mean, even uh, the AVP films, I know that um, they're oh, kind of a different... Fuck. Well, I'm not trying to talk about <laughs> it, but like, like AVP Requiem, you know, they kind of bring Ripley back and they kind of, it was, they're, they're modeling it after Aliens. Um, and, you know, other films that are set, like for instance, there's a uh, film called... Oh, my God. It's uh, I think it was shot in Australia. Finny. You guys know what I'm talking about? No. INFINI or something like, like the that. Car company? Very similar to Aliens. Um, very similar setup. Deals with kind of uh, uh, an alien threat on some other place. Um, you could really hear and feel Aliens in it. Um, but, of course, it wasn't Aliens. Um, and I, I just see that so many times so much, and I, I, I feel like the the reach of Aliens is in everything. Everyone's kind of comparing it to something else. And it's so dominant.
1: It's something, you know, for, for much of the 19th century and in, in, in classical music, there was what they called the Beethoven effect, which was basically like Beethoven's legacy was so monumental uh, that after his death, like, there was like a, a big drop in the compositional output of Western Europe because people felt like they couldn't do anything to measure up to him. And so nobody really knew what to, what to write, and it, and it took sort of a new generation of composers to break out under that. And I think Aliens, in a way, is similar. I think Aliens was such a triumph from an artistic standpoint and such a triumph from a storytelling standpoint and such a triumph from a, from a box office standpoint that—I mean, you're totally right, Connor. Most writers worth their salt could have written a better version of Alien Resurrection, right? Like, most, most good screenwriters could have given us good movies. Right yeah, the problem that Joss Whedon is not a good screenwriter the, the, anyway. <laughs> well that's that's a separate, that's a separate conversation, but the reality is is that it's not just one screenwriter you know one like artiste doing this. These are movies that are made in a studio that uh you know is dependent on revenue, and aliens set the was a watershed for that aliens was such a success, and it took what what had been a very hard r very frightening franchise and made it palatable to young people you know without making it feel watered down and it totally it set a template you know so i i think it's worth pointing out that i i, I agree with jamie not so much in terms of quality because i don't think it's because aliens was a masterpiece it was a masterpiece i think that's beside the point the point is that an entire generation of people were basically brought into the franchise and to fandom watching this particular movie which was nothing like in most ways the first film and nothing like the films that came after it and so for a lot of people out there who aren't here in the middle of the night on an alien fan podcast most of the world when they think of an alien movie they're thinking of aliens and every time they see something that's not that they're sort of going well okay i guess that's
2: it's I not that's that what yeah
1: you know um and, and I'm, not, I'm not making a judgment he... call on that I'm, i just think and that's it's... the case
2: the only film in this in the franchise where you can I mean not the only film, but to some arguably you can get all your friends together and you're gonna watch Aliens and have a party. You know, you're not gonna do that with Alien Three. Party. <laughs> um, uh, it's, really like, like, it's, it's a rallying but yeah. call. It's a rallying call for for science fiction lovers and um again, I'm not like saying, Oh my god, Aliens has made it so terrible for because I love Alien Three. Again, there's parts of the prequels that I love. We wouldn't have those films without aliens, all of that stuff. But I feel like um, it is almost insurmountable in some in some ways. Like, I wonder if we're always going to be set up for failure.
1: Dumbass college. What's
2: this crap supposed to be? Cornbread, I think. It's good for you, boy. Eat it. Hey. I sure would mind getting some more of that boom thing.
3: Eh? Remember that time? <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: yeah the one that you had was male. <laughs> it matter when it's I do have to say, Mike, you just hosted an Alien Three viewing party, didn't you? I did. Yeah, we went through every Alien movie, not in oh, one night, oh, so, but, oh, but you did all. you, know, okay, you did all of them. And, and, and what were your experiences with that? Like how, how people, you know, responded to the different films?
5: It's it was awesome. Uh, Alien was uh people really liked it um aliens like i said was kind of like yeah that was good but i liked alien better and then we got to alien 3 and it was pretty much split right down the middle people either really loved it or they were like "eh, it was boring i didn't like it um and we didn't bother with alien resurrection but we watched uh prometheus and covenant good man (laughs) 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 I mean, we're exist. saving it for like a, a like a drinking night, you know. Like we'll drink yeah. every time uh, some inappropriate humor happens, or you know, something like that. Um,
3: there's gonna there's gonna be smoke severely... coming out of Clara's ease at the moment.
5: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. severely <laughs> no,
2: fuckable.
5: <laughs> um, but Covenant people loved, and actually, one one of my friends who never gives like a ten out of ten rating. Um, gave like he's given one other movie that and he thought covenant was a 10 out of 10 so and that's that's
2: that's that's crazy
5: right yeah exactly no there it's like we when we have history like this with the alien series to hear that is like almost sacrilege right um and the aliens was like people were kind of indifferent to it is it for me too like even though i don't i'm not a huge aliens fan um i i appreciate it a lot and i enjoy watching it but to hear people now say like i they just didn't really care about a- aliens very much. And I had people say, like, oh, the Marines are, you know, too much of a caricature, and they're not interesting, and you barely hear from any of them. And I even hear people say Hudson is annoying, which I could see, but I definitely don't agree with.
3: That wasn't funny, man. And there's just...
1: He's like the Michelangelo Ninja, Ninja Turtle character. A little, Do you think, yeah, though,
2: Mike, that that reaction is because people are so used... Have, it's so in the conscious in the public consciousness. We've seen so many versions of that since Aliens that people are seeing the film that it started where it started, but they don't realize it. So it's kind of pastiche to them.
5: Yeah, I think that's exactly it. And I think we even talked about it, like about that exact idea after the movie, because I I tell everybody, I'm like, okay, most people would agree Aliens is, is, is the best one. And I just, I don't say anything else. I don't give out like, what I think of it or anything. I'm just like, okay, well in the fandom, you know, people really, really like aliens. So uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. And then boom, uh, this happened and people didn't really, really get on board, which, which was weird. Um, Has anyone experienced that with people they show it to?
1: Well, I had, I had a kind of the opposite experience recently. I've I've been watching it with um, the in-laws, the, the the whole series and uh, they did not like alien very much. They, well, so actually my mother-in-law's dad had a heart attack. When he saw Alien in theaters, and so she kind of has always had like a thing about it. She didn't want to like, oh my god, revisit it. He actually did have a, a heart attack. Shit. I don't
5: want to laugh, but that's like that's. I mean, he's fine. Like not, he's he's still alive. You know, it's, it's not funny. It's
1: just like, oh my god. The part of me is like, like what? Like, and what was his diet? I mean, he was like thirty five at the time. I'm like, you know, come on. You know, it's not it's not that scary. Um, but he did. He, so she kind of had avoided it for a long time, and uh, and I, I watched it with her recently, and she. Thought it was scary. She thought it was really interesting, but she was, like, checking her phone. <laughs> it was, like, not, like, fully engaged. But uh, Aliens, okay. I mean, she's very much a mid-80s. Like, when we go to, you know, my in-law's house, it's we're going to watch Indiana Jones. We're going to watch Star Wars. You know, we're going to watch, basically, the, the 80s tentpole things. And Aliens was an, an immediate hit with her and with my brother-in-law and with my father-in-law. They were all like totally, totally cued into it. But the, also, other than my brother-in-law, they're of a different generation. They they basically hit adulthood when this movie was being made, and I think that it was basically made in some ways for them, you know. So that could be part of it.
5: Yeah, no, I think that's that's right. And I I used to work at a video store called uh, Crazy Mikes. <laughs> yeah, it was not my name. Yet, but <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> Crazy Mikes. <laughs> oh man. I. Side so note. So at least once every day.
3: You didn't bring the mic into Crazy Mike, did you? You brought the crazy into Crazy mic. <laughs> <laughs>
1: exactly. Everybody talking back! Just... You better get your videos in on time or I'll come to your house. I ever had this. <laughs> I can't um, a dish.
4: Yeah. Glorious <laughs> for that. <laughs> oh,
1: man,
5: I hate you. <laughs> that sucks. Um, no, but uh, I watched. We went through. Um, me and my coworkers, my old coworkers there, uh, went through. The Alien movies, again, with some of their friends, and they're all, you know, in their 30s. And um, uh, they they appreciated Aliens more than my group did, who are my age, you know, 22, 23, in that era area. And, um, yeah, I, I think you're right, Patrick. I think it has something to do with generations. Um, but it sometimes doesn't, it sometimes doesn't, right? Because I think you can appreciate Aliens no matter what generation you're in. But, but going back to that, that Vietnam War, Vietnam War aspect, and uh, power through superior firepower, right? Um, I don't know. I, it's an interesting topic, <laughs> and I, I don't really know what else to say about it.
2: Well, I think um, to your point, though, Mike. I think that um, in some ways, and this is kind of some issue that I've had with aliens that I don't have anymore, but I did for a while. There's this. Um, I'm very American. Um, love affair with the military. Um, I would say it's probably that that scales probably tipped. like it's it's a little bit the the level of like patriotism or just how kind of crazy people go over the military. Um, I think aliens kind of embodies that that American sense of the military. Yeah, we're behind you. Like everyone's kind of like rah-rah and aliens you can kind of join in that that um experience while watching the film where everyone's together and they're all american i mean i I think they are um in aliens and so it's it, it really speaks to a time and place um where america was at the time and i think the different generational reactions to it is because i think that that like today i think people view it differently today because that love affair isn't the same as it used to be we've been in uh quite a few more wars um, and, and very dubious wars wars that were started for whatever reason that weren't quite honest so we don't feel the same way about the military anymore That well, was and, a, it was an idyllic time in, in american in the american kind of history well, out right right of
5: ashes right, exactly yeah that oh would, what is that yeah, colonial not
2: marines fucking white or... <laughs> i knew that would get
5: you one <laughs> well, aliens is that's so funny, because Aliens is such... Like, it's supposed to be anti-war, right? And Jeanette Goldstein and Sigourney Weaver both hate guns. and They didn't want to... Sigourney Weaver, I remember talking about it all the time, about how she didn't really care to to wield them or anything. She thought they were stupid. Um, and and the whole movie is like, why why that oorah to ashes bullshit doesn't work? And it's not real. It's all a, a fantasy. It's, it's funny that... That's that's something that you would like. Not that you're wrong, Jamie. It's just that that is an interesting, uh, uh, like, view uh, for people to have, right?
2: Well, like, and I just think that um, I, some of the criticism I have, or have had. I mean, even though I agree, Aliens is a masterpiece, and I watched it over and over, almost every day as a kid, as a teenager. Um, but I also took it to task a little bit that it was a little bit too, a little bit too patriotic. Um, It was a little divisive in, in, in a way like um, that. It was kind of leaning on that as opposed to um, and it kind of played into this kind of um, I don't know this this a little bit phony sense of I'm an American. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. we are important because we're Americans and our military like that's what I, I, that's the problems I had with aliens at, be, because I didn't really understand it. I have a different understanding of it now, um, but I we're not in the same place that we used to be. I mean, I and I'm not saying these are good or bad things or I'm even correct in in these assessments. These are just things that I've kind of noticed myself over the years.
1: But what's so funny well, is it... that that's not really what the movie's saying, you know? It's 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 interesting. I, th- I think it's so easy for us to to think of aliens as the jingoistic oorah, we can kill them with with more firepower, but it's, it's really not like when, when we say it's a Vietnam allegory, it, it's literally a Vietnam allegory like we are outnumbered uh, or you know we're completely outmatched by enemies that we should have the handle on you know and, um, and and I think in a way in a lot of ways it was a critique of that aspect of American society coming out of the 70s and into the 80s. I, I think in a lot of ways it was it was pretty biting criticism of you know Reagan era United States politics you know, Cold War, um, hyper capitalist, laissez-faire kind of this approach to um our country, which now feels pretty dated in a lot of ways. And I think at that time this movie was was a little bit um of foreshadowing of some of the issues that we were setting ourselves up for um, you know, as things happen like, you know, we got into these intractable wars like you mentioned, which we're still fighting now, the economy's blown up Et cetera, et cetera. We don't have to get into that. But I think in a lot of ways, it's, it's easy to think of it as a simpler movie or more direct corollary to the world at the time than it actually is. I think in a lot of ways, it's really a, uh, almost a, a satire of it.
2: Yeah, which kind of opens the door to like people like Sean and Connor and Clara who, of course, aren't American and don't have kind of our worldview and how that plays out for them.
4: I have to say, like there was one thing I had a viewing party as was well, A one friend of mine who was younger. Um, that was the point he made about aliens. He was like, they were very gung ho, weren't they? It was like it's what you said, Jamie. They were very American. I was like, I don't actually remember a single line where they were ever said like, yeah, we're American. They just said we're Marines. That's it. And the point of the matter is, like, if you're in any position like that in the military, where you're essentially you're dropping out of space in a flying metal can going into a place you have no clue about, about an enemy that you've just heard this description, this woman who is terrified of them, you're going to need to be positive in some fashion to just get yourself in there. And I think it's still relevant today, actually, concerning what's been going on in the world. I mean, we're, we're still going into wars against enemies that are less a technological advantage, and we're still getting thrashed by them. And we're still in the same dirty politics that revolve around it. I mean, that's one thing as well about aliens that no one really mentions as much as Burke. He's just an avatar of what's wrong politically in the world as well. And still today, I think.
0: I have to agree that um, the whole... uh... Like um, Americanized war and and the allegory with um, Vietnam it wasn't something that I could really connect to previously because I, I've got no um, knowledge of it outside of what we learn at school, which is like very minimal. It's like there was a war, it didn't work, they lost, we ended up with all of the um, asylum seekers, you know. So <laughs> for me, it was very very different um, and. I think Aliens is 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 very much playing on, on the sort of satire, the same way that um, Starship Troopers does. And a lot of people miss that. Um, you know, the, the pointlessness of war, the machine that people get pulled into, everyone is expendable. And it's all, at the end of the day, um, part of uh, that, that sort of, like, capitalist machine, you know, when Carter Burke refers to the whole um, mission, he's not talking about saving the colonists. He's talking about the, the value of um, the the planet and, and um, the property that they're on, and, you know, they shouldn't blow it up because it's going to be worth a lot of money to the company. The xenomorphs also going to be worth a lot of money to the company, and it never comes into his mind that
3: Substantial human dollar value.
0: Yeah, that never comes into his mind that any of that human life holds a value, you know, and even, even Ripley, which is like one of the, the most uh, quoted lines of hers is, you know, you don't see them screwing each other over for a dollar or something like that, you know. So for me, it was very much about how um, the, the, the company and uh, the way that human life is treated, even even in building the colony, even before the aliens get there, you know, uh, people are just there to terraform the planet. They don't talk about, you know, building a community or anything like that. And even I found, I found that very much so when I was um, reading River of Pain. You know, everyone was a cog in the machine. And if you weren't playing your part, you weren't useful. It, it was very much about making sure that, people are making money or making progress in the company or getting promoted or doing something like that. It's never about, you know, we're doing this for the betterment of mankind, if you if you get what I mean. <laughs> it's all very, like, singular, short-sighted, and everyone's in it for themselves.
2: Which is interesting, like, I think, um, and this is to... a a point both that you're making Clara and Connor like in terms of Carter Burke and His importance and really you're right. No one really talks about Burke. Yeah, he's this slimy bad guy. He's got um, You know, he's really he's got the dollar on the mind. How can we get rich? How does the company get rich? What do we do? I mean really Carter is the ash of aliens, but really if we think about it Carter represents or Burke re- represents um, politicians, and we all, I think, live in countries where politicians put human life, uh, or and and the well-being or the welfare of human of of human life on a very um, on the bottom rung, because they need to get paid first, and that's something that um, actually the alien universe has never really. Except for in aliens has explored I mean and there's elements of it in alien of course they know that there, there's an order and they have to bring back the creature uh, everyone's expendable and Cor- and Burke is a little bit uh, representing that but really Burke is this again this is this cipher or avatar for um, many things that are happening today um, in America in in the UK everything that's kind of going on. Um, And, uh, it's something that, uh, I think even in future films, if we want to talk about, I mean, obviously we're not here to talk about like possible sequels. We're talking about aliens, but that's, that's a character that everyone can identify with. Everyone's kind of been, uh, either seen them on TV or been in a room with someone like that, where they just don't care. They're out for themselves. They're out for money. Um, and uh, and really Burke was the alien in that situation Burke was the most evil um, Burke was was there he was in there and he looked like one of us But he certainly wasn't acting like one of us very very interesting
4: Yeah, he was certainly the eighth passenger aliens because of the first half of the movie before they get in the planet He's all very supportive of Ripley, but it's only after the shit hits the fan that you really see his true colors
1: That's true, but at the same time, <clears throat> part of me wonders if uh, going, going in deeper into the company would um, set us up for another situation where we would be wondering why they're not telling new stories. You know, I, I agree that that's such a fascinating angle in that that's something that's really socially relevant and probably will always be relevant, unfortunately. But um, again, it's something that we've seen at least somewhat in Aliens, and it was handled really deftly, and uh, I'm, I'm not really sure. How that would play out.
2: Yeah, well, it'd probably play out just as well as someone looking into an egg again.
1: Ooh! Oh. <laughs> you shitting on you shit on Covenant. That was it oh, was not yeah. let, listen, it was not a person <laughs> looking into an egg. It was Oram looking into an egg. And it makes sense yeah. for that character to do that ridiculous thing. Well,
2: I, I think that you can explore I mean, I think that in terms of as we talk about like the effects of aliens and the the litmus test that the film is, and we're going to kind of move on from that, or hopefully tell another story that's going to be a series, you can certainly explore Waylon Utani and find out what's going on in this company. Peel back that curtain just a little bit and um, really find out what 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 is this company? What is politically? Who are they? Um, are they like the Tyrell Corporation? Are they like the Wallace Corporation? Do they own everything? Um, have they helped to save humanity? Do they call the shots? Is there a government still in place? Is Wayland Utani the government? I mean, there's there's so many questions that can be answered. I mean, what does what did Burke really represent? And I gotta um,
1: I gotta say the, uh, the thing that's dealt the most with that, uh, and I'll, I'll make this quick because I think Clara was about to say something. Has been Alien Covenant Origins, and that that's the most abominable oh, piece of shit I've I've ever read in my life. I knew someone was and gonna bring was, it up, and, <laughs> I, and, I, <laughs> and that, that was by. <laughs> And it was by Alan Dean Foster, who is a master of writing books about this universe, and he doubled down on a book about exactly that. And I and I think I can all say it, on on behalf of all of us that I, I almost threw it out the window. OTBD. <laughs> I, I, to be honest, I I couldn't finish that. I just could not finish that. It took me two months. Two yeah, fucking Patrick months. You know, but
2: but how do you write an, a novel called uh, Was it? origins but there's no aliens in it like what the fuck doesn't even make any sense
0: i think the problem is is the, the sort of guidelines that were given by fox to alan dean foster because originally alan dean foster thought he was going to be writing the origins of prometheus and going to be talking about um david and shaw but obviously he was told not to touch that sort of storyline. So he had to come up with something else. So this would would have been, you know, the merging of the company and the origins for the covenant mission. What I think, and I think it did it well, uh, was um alien the cold forge, because it still talked about the company, but they also talked about yeah. seekson It talked about corporate warfare. You had a Burke like character in Dorian, you still had the aliens and you still had a character who who pretty much looked like they had everything stacked against them to lose, you know? And, and we had that with Newt. So I felt that was a very good way of mixing the Alien and the Aliens universe together, if you get what I mean.
1: I I do, <laughs> very much. Yeah. And I, yeah. I agree. Yeah. You, you can tell by the fan response to, to the Cold Forge that that is obviously something people have an appetite for. But something else that people have an appetite for in fandom, more than probably any other product that's come out in the last fifteen or twenty years in fandom, you can all, you know, I, on the count of three, I think we can say is one, two, three, Alien Isolation. Everybody fucking loves Alien Isolation, as do I. Oh. right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the sound it's had to travel around the world. Ice, man. Man. <laughs> I feel like that, like that, to me, is is, is basically a universally beloved property in Alien. And it is, in most ways, virtually a facsimile of the first film. Like it, the way the ways in which it deviates are brilliant, but at the end of the day, it's it's really it's really experiencing the first movie again. Um, and and I think you know we we have to look at ourselves and wonder why why did that work so well? Like, and what is it about the Cold Forge, which in a lot of ways is see the Cold Forge is, is interesting because that is an example of, as Claire was saying. Going, it, it, having kind of like new takes on tropes that we're used to. So, I mean, there's a, a vast distance between Carter Burke and and Dorian in, in Cold Forge. You know what I mean? But they're both kind of these ciphers for the company. Um, and But they're treated very differently. And so maybe part of it is giving us things that we have a framework for, that we have a context for, and then doing something wildly different with it, you know? Um, I think that could that could be something that could work.
4: The
3: thing about Isolation, though, is that... Uh, 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 sorry, Sean, you go. I was just going to say, it's actually quite sad that, like, since Aliens, Aliens was, was probably the last, uh, like, most popular uh, movie. And since then, probably the, the two projects which have been universally praised as much as, well, maybe not as much as Aliens, but has had a, a, a general positive reaction has been these two projects you're talking about, uh, Isolation and, and Cold Forge. You look at uh, Alien 3, Alien Resurrection, the, the AVP, the, the prequels, they're all all mixed. You, you do find people who, who love each movie, which is, is brilliant. You find a lot of people who don't like certain movies, which, which is understandable. But the, these two projects are probably the most popular things since Aliens. If only we could kind of get that magic and have that as a movie... I don't know how they do it, but get that kind of magic where, where everyone just seems to love it. You know, you, you got characters, which, which both isolation and, and cold forge has, it's got other aspects, you know, the company, the, and both of these projects. Uh, but things are just well written for both, which is something I, I feel has been lacking since aliens. Uh, uh, I, although I do appreciate alien three, uh, I'm not, not shitting on that. Um, that's, I think, what's what's key. And, and what goes back to what Jamie was saying about the bar being so high in Aliens is, is I think, a, a huge amount of that <laughs> it comes down to the writing process.
1: Well, and I, I think another product that I think comes up a lot in fandom, and this is another one we can count on, but because of the time delay, it might not work, but is Labyrinth. I think that is a, a comic that Ooh. people always bring up. when When you ask people what their favorite adaptations of, or not adaptations, but the, what their favorite non-film takes on Alien are, um, Labyrinth is always on the list. And for me as a kid, it was my favorite comic. It probably still is to this day. Um, although Dust to Dust, in my mind, is, isn't really as good. But, uh, but Labyrinth, both the novel and the comic, it, it just, it's just fucking amazing storytelling. And, and very much the same thing where it, it go, kind of goes deeper into a thematic area that we've gotten a little bit of a taste of in the films and maybe that's, maybe that's the answer is, is give us something we have a context for and go crazy with it, you know?
2: And I think the success of aliens, um, in, in terms of, if, you know, we're going to see, cause I, I, think that, uh, kind of hitting back on a, an earlier sort of topic, like with Blumkamp and trying to kind of rekindle that, that, the flame of aliens, I think setting, you know, much like, but also like with isolation, um, you can set, uh, a film in the world of aliens um, it, with a tech of aliens um, and that kind of I don't know, just that that very specific um, aesthetic that that we love and that we're used to. and uh, we can tell a story um, that is within the the universe that we know with different characters. maybe they kind of reference to something else, maybe they reference the Hadley's Hope mission or hearing about someone named Ripley or whatever. And it can be really, really successful without having to repeat. Um, what we've seen before, but kind of off in a new direction.
1: Something really brief on that um, I want to bring up that you said is the technology aspect. To me, the tactile nature of the tech in Alien is part of what I love about the film. And, and for some yes. reason, I absolutely have always just really loved that. And Aliens is the same thing. When they slap the cartridge in for the pulse rifle... The sound design is so immersive when the pods open and close, when the power loader um, hydraulics fire. It just feels so, it just feels like, you know, you can, you can, it's like it's dangerous. Like if, if one of these things fell on you, you could be seriously injured, you know? And, the, and I don't see that in the prequels. I, I really, truly don't. As much as I love Covenant, I, I don't see it in Covenant in any real way. Um, I think that's a big thing. And I think isolation, it, it really, it, it almost fetishizes that aspect. Like, it is so tactile, and, like, one of the great examples of that is how you save the game. Like, you have to, for one thing, make yourself vulnerable while the save sequence is going, which is a wonderful um mechanic, but also, like, it's a, it's you know, you have to, like, shove this card in the hole and press a key sequence, and it beeps, and it just feels e- really,
2: ooh. it feels, yeah. It's like going into Mother.
1: It feels very lived in. Yeah, exactly. And Cold Forge, you know, part of what's so great about that is given Alex White's Um, design uh, his background in designing user experiences like it fetishizes the user experience of navigating this space station like he goes into such detail about you know the light systems in the floor and about the sequences you have to punch in to get to certain sub decks and about the elevators and all these different things and the portholes and what you can see out from different sides of the ship as it rotates and it just feels so real it just feels so mechanical and i think something that we're missing and something that Aliens really got right in terms of sequels is that there is an aesthetic, I think, to Alien that it's, it's important to not make excuses constantly for not using. I find myself frequently in a position where I'm talking about the prequels where I'm, I'm having to defend them because I'm, I'm typically in an argument setting, as, as you all know. Um, but <laughs> I, I can completely relate to that. Like, I hate the fact that I'm always apologizing for the fact that Prometheus, even, which I don't even like— has um, such vastly different technology because, you know, and, and I talk about how well it was a different, the ship was for a different purpose. It was, you know, this privatized, you know, incredible industry. It was basically a personal vessel for this multi-trillionaire, you know, and he can make exactly. it look however he wanted to. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't truckers in space. But at the end of the day, like, I don't care. Like, I, I miss truckers in space. That's what I want to see, you know? And, and, and to me, when you take that away, even though it suits the story, it hews more closely to something that it's not. And to me, Alien is not Star Trek, you know? And I think that's an important distinction.
0: I just want to say, though, that one of, <laughs> one of the things that I really love about sci-fi is the way it's able to breed innovation through imagination. And even though I do love the aesthetic of the cassette futurism which um, Alien presents and I really do like the sort of like 80s uh, stylized technology in Aliens, I believe going forward in general for science fiction that it doesn't really matter in terms of aesthetic because as long as it's it's well written and um, as long as the, the... the technology interacts with the uh, characters in in the way the story has intended, it shouldn't affect it at all. It it, it all comes down to uh, the way the characters are written and the the way the characters interact with that, that technology. And I think because a lot of people have watched Alien and Aliens um, many many times they, they tend to forget the sort of technology that was also presented in Alien 3 which was a rundown facility and then in Alien Resurrection which is supposed to be 200 years into the future after Alien 3 and you know who who's a, a you know a professional specialist on techno- the way technology is supposed to look in 2093. Um, I think that by making the prequels a little bit more relevant and updating the technology, it kind of gives the alien universe the freedom to go between these different sorts of aesthetics because it it doesn't come down to that. That's not the way the story is driven. Like even even the interaction with with Mother in Alien Covenant versus the interaction in Alien, I feel it's still um, quite relevant um, and, and having it updated, so it kind of reflects this technology that we have now, it's going to make these movies altogether more watchable uh, for future generations, and not just for people who could recollect the 80s. Because I've, I've even had like people go to me, uh, look at floppy disk, it's like, oh, you know, someone 3D printed the safe symbol. You know, they don't even realise that they're
1: <laughs> holding, <laughs> a
0: person holding a poppy disk. So to make to make all of this stuff more relevant for uh, the, the future generations that are going to be introduced to this sort of universe, uh, as, as much as I do love the aesthetic of Alien, I don't think it should dictate the entire universe because sooner or later we're not going to have access to that sort of... Um, the sort of technology to be able to put into those films, and it's going to be painstaking to try to replicate that. Well, so, then I, I guess you know.
1: I, I think that it's not necessarily the aesthetic. It's not necessarily the cassette futurism, although I, I think, speaking just totally personally and subjectively, that that's part of it. But I think, in general, it's the realism and the verisimilitude that that provides. The, 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 it's, it's something about, you know, we live in an age where everything that we see on film I mean, eighty to ninety percent of it in most big Hollywood pictures is purely digital, right? And I'm not making a judgment call on that. I understand that that's just the world that we live in, and that's that's how you make blockbuster movies now, is you shoot on green screen, um, and you and you composite so many things, in that it. I I don't know. I don't even know at what point it becomes an animated movie, and what point it it doesn't. And to me, um, what's so great about the about the original trilogy is that it feels. Real, And I feel like it will always feel real even if it's not real and even though we're being just as lied to in those as we are in new movies like you're totally right in the first film you know, there are people sitting, you know, with PVC tubes, banging them in a hallway to make it sound like Ripley's running. And, you know, there are, uh, th- you know, there's only one level on the set. And obviously and we have all seen the behind the scenes features about how they faked the perspective. So it looks like she's going up and down ladders. Like we get that, you know, like I, I, I totally understand that we're b- fundamentally being lied to when we watch a movie, but the ways in which we're lied to, I think it changed the experience of watching it. And to me, when I see a movie like Covenant, which I love, when I see Covenant, I am not getting that same appreciation of the real uh, that I get in the other movies. And I think part of it's because it's digital, but part of it I think is because the technology that they're using is by virtue of, you know, advances that we've had in our own culture with things like, you know, flat screens and capacitive interfaces and things. It's not as tactile. And for whatever reason, when you put tactility in a fantastical futuristic setting, whether or not that results in in an aesthetic like cassette futurism or not, you get something really special. And that specialness to me is something at the heart of Alien.
2: And uh, to your point, Patrick, and to push back a little bit um, on you, Clara, I think if I I think about films that people love, um, not just the Alien films or Aliens or whatever, but the films that really have this really great reception and cult followings, and we're all in these same groups um, whether it's Blade Runner or Aliens or Star Wars or whatever, what do we see from people who want who love these films? They're trying to get replicas of this. They're trying to make this. They're trying to get that. I mean, Clara, you do it with like Covenant and with the Neomorphs, and we're always kind of trying to bring a little bit of a piece of this film that we love or films that we love home with us or on our shelf. Um, and I think Aliens offers that. You know, you see people trying to get. Um, whether they're building models of the the motion trackers or or the guns or some of the helmets or, I mean, or, you know, building life-size versions of the power loader and going to cons, you know, conventions dressed up. I mean, you see that all the time with films that people really love that have made a, an indelible pres- impression upon, um, you know, generations of people. The films that people... I. Ad- and I think aliens, not so much even the tech, but I really feel like when people are doing that, it speaks to exactly what kind of impression this film has made. I don't know any film that ha- that that um, isn't well-loved where people are trying to get, um, you know, like replica props made. I don't know any film, like films that bomb or films that, you know, are kind of get at this really crazy passionately mixed reaction i don't see people oh i'm trying to get this thing from the last jedi or or, you know whatever um but and i think alien and aliens specifically not even alien three because i love it they people it's a connection those things those tactile things the uh the things that they use it's not so much even about the tech of the 80s but those things um Are a a vehicle for people to kind of experience the movie more and that's what that's so you mean like
0: So the pulse rifle the motion tracker that sort of stuff. Is that what you mean?
2: Yeah, and I I don't and and for an obviously in In and Prometheus or Covenant. There's none of those things. and I don't mean that same type of tech There's none of that kind of stuff that we're like. Oh my god. I gotta get my hands on that um
0: I, I do agree because the the guns in Prometheus that like for for example in Aliens the pulse rifle it's it's kind of a character of of its own you know everyone recognizes it 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 has a certain noise and you're right that there's a certain character interaction with it like putting in the rounds but there wasn't that sort of interaction in Prometheus and the only item that I felt like there was that sort of um, Relationship with the character, and and uh, the firearm they were using was the flamethrower, uh, and that was when Vickers was using it. So, so you're correct, you know, and and I feel that like that's kind of part of the writing. So, so to me, it doesn't feel uh, like it's a letdown of the design itself, but it's the way the characters interact with that item, and and that's,
2: that's yeah.
0: Like the uh, oh, what you call it. Um, the, <laughs> the gun, the name. Um, when when they've set out those automatic um, firing the turrets, the century uh, turrets, yeah. turrets, yeah. century turrets, in 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 the hallways to to stop the xenomorphs. We don't even get to see the turrets working except for that one time that they threw something and it shot. We are just hearing um, the turrets work, and uh, and I can imagine what's happening, and, and it's it, it, Forces the person who's watching the film to kind of imagine, you know, the xenomorphs getting like torn up to shreds and stuff like that. So, so I do agree, but at the same time, it, it's all about the writing. That's it's the way that it's been written. These sorts of uh, things kind of interact with the characters and the storyline in a certain way that, that they become important.
1: Yeah, well, but and it, I
2: think, it's... Uh... go ahead, go ahead, Patrick.
1: Well, it, it's it's not it's not just the writing, although I think that's a huge part of it. It's also the the creative choices dictated by the limitations of using real objects. For example, the queen, which we're about to do a full episode on, and which is obviously a huge impact on all of our lives. You know, like th- there were there were two people working the arms inside of her. There were people off off in the side of the set doing the head, doing the mouth. Um, you know. It was it was a very difficult thing to operate. It was 20 actual feet tall, you know what I mean? And it's something that, because of that, you know, it couldn't move in any real way, so they had to create a smaller puppet, and even that they had to use really sparingly. So you ended up getting a lot of—the um, audience's imagination was being piqued more because we were having to imagine this thing moving without seeing it and seeing it that it looked fake, right? It, it's setting up this paradigm where it feels like it's a gateway into a larger reality that we can then bring into our own heads— in it's it's I still find it infuriating that the incredible puppetry work and um costuming in Covenant was not entirely but but largely scrubbed over digitally, and I, I understand that there are real reasons why they do that, but to me it speaks at this greater trend towards the um the, the vanishing of the tactile and the real and the, and the embracing of digital technology, and people using digital technology to do things that you can't do with practical effects. And I think when you, the second you do that, you start losing some of the um, the wonderful, creative chaos that you kind of need to make art, you know? Like, if I'm writing a piece of music, if somebody says, write it for as many instruments as you can think of, it's going to be a fucking awful piece you know but if somebody says like oh i have this violin and i and i want you to write a piece of music for it that i can feel that violin i can think about what that violin wants to say and i think it's the same thing with cameron and the queen like he designed this thing he built it with stan winston and they shot it in very specific ways necessitated by the physical realities of manipulating that object in physical space and um those limitations i think gave them tremendous artistic control over the final product and allowed us to put ourselves in the movie much more than more contemporary pictures do.
3: With the tools that they had, they made the Queen look more believable than they did the Neomorph in, in Covenant. I, I watched Covenant, and I look at the Neomorph, and it just doesn't look real to me. It, it's, it's it's almost like it's over-digitalized, which, to me, that seems so backwards, is the the practical effects were done in what 80 the movie was released in 86 so it would have been the queen would have been what filmed what 85 maybe beginning of 86 i'm not i'm not too sure on the the timeline but given how much resources they had back then it just blows my mind how you know how creative they were in utilizing the tools that they had at that time compared to what we've got
4: today yeah I mean, just think of it as a funny comparison And the scene that we never got in Covenant in the trailer where you see the alien darting from side to side in the corridor and you couple that with when Ripley goes into the hive and just shoots up the egg that's about to... the face was about to impregnate you and you see that one alien that's actually a guy in a suit fly from side to side and you can feel the weight going into the wall just by watching it and it just makes it so much more believable.
0: I feel like sometimes... Uh, I agree, the neomorph didn't look real enough and in a lot of instances in Covenant, the sound and the visuals did not marry up to make an ideal viewing. It it, it didn't make it immersive enough. Um, but I feel like a lot of people keep on championing practical effects but they forget how advanced visual effects are and I think when when the studio is given the right budget and the visual effects people are given enough time, they can make a movie completely seamless. And if you guys have watched Gravity and you enjoy it, well, the entire set is CG. None of it is practical. The only thing that is practical is Sandra Bullock, and she is being suspended by ropes. You know what I mean?
2: Someone hasn't seen First Man.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, I haven't seen that one yet
2: amazing. I haven't it's all seen practical. that one yet. Every bit of it is practical. Every space space scene, everything. It's amazing. They I'm actually amazing. went into outer space and shot this movie <laughs> on the <laughs> surface of the moon. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they built an actual moon on Earth. And they filmed it on the actual moon.
0: I feel that like, like visual effects and practical effects they there's a place for it. And if you go too much in one way or too much in another way and you don't have the right budget or you don't have enough time or you don't have the skilled personnel to be able to execute the vision, then it won't look good anyway. If, if you get what I mean.
2: <laughs> I would agree with you. And I think so just absolutely. to kind of... Because like think... Covenant's
0: all practical. Like the, the interactions with the screens, all of that was timed. That was all done with software. These aren't overlays. These aren't looping um, things that are happening. All of it was real time, except for the three D projections. So, so that's what I love about it. That's the practical that I see that that worked effectively in the movie. And and uh, the the aliens did not. I agree with that. That they would have gone better with uh, practical, I believe. Um, but but there is parts of Covenant that have happened that people, you know, didn't have a problem with, like the, the uh EVA scenes going out um, and repairing the sails. You know, even that laser that was practical. You know, that they just put a few sparks in there to make it look like it was actually doing something. So it it blows my mind when people say, "Oh, the visual effects in Covenant were shit." Because, like, do they know which parts were visual and which parts weren't, and which parts yeah, were? And actually I
2: don't agree pat- with that. I don't agree with that <laughs> assessment at all. I, I mean, I don't agree that the, the visuals of Covenant were shit. I just think. Like you just said, I think that some of the the moments of CG aliens were shit for sure. Well, I think um, that the
1: central neomorph scene looks fucking awful. And but I, I actually I want to bring it back to aliens, yeah,
2: yeah. though. I want to bring it back yes. to aliens in terms of like the origin of kind of where we kind of splintered off. Where really the success of aliens and and when you kind of you can get granular on that, and when you can when you can hone in on why that film successful and continues to be successful is the relationship between character and tech where it's not just, okay. And I think it more has to do with, um, well, I just don't love this. I just don't love Hicks. I love what Hicks was wearing. That's how indelible Hicks is in everyone. And Hicks isn't is nearly as flushed out as Ripley. Um, and you know, or, or, or other, you know, or, or other characters. But it was there's this symbiosis between character and the tech that they're using, the planes that they're driving, or the ships, the drop ships, the uh, everything, uh, and everyone wants a piece of it. And um, to me, that I have not seen that replicated. It wasn't replicated in Alien Three, in Alien Resurrection, in the A V P films. Or covenant or Prometheus. No one has that relationship. No one's like, oh, let's go. I want this thing. That I, I, I will say, arguably though, in covenant, across the board, everyone I know or a lot of people in fandom, even if they don't really like Prometheus or Covenant, they want their hands on that uh, that uh, neomorph or not the neomorph. The uh, what's the other one that we see that's on the dropship in Covenant? or that ship that they send. I can't remember the name of it. Is that the Neomorph? The Protomorph? No. Protomorph. Yeah, protomorph. Okay. A lot of people love that design. I, I, think, I thought it looked great. It looked scary. It was just one of the scariest iterations of the creature that I've ever seen. But it wasn't really a relationship so much with the tech of the film. It was more of a connection with, yes, that's scary. That's awesome. I'd like a version of that on my shelf. Well, but also um, –
1: it does. It does what we're talking about, which is it took tropes we're familiar with from the classic xenomorph design, and it did more interesting and more grotesque things with them. You know, like yeah, if you look at the Neca figure that. and you look yeah. at it in three hundred sixty degrees, and you're like, "Wow, like this is fucking." Yeah. It is so fascinating the design choices that they made, and it's something familiar but something more extreme. You know.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I know that we could probably talk for a long time, and we're probably going to have to do a, 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 a another episode of this or another entry in this series there's there's a lot more to discuss we have other roundtables uh that are going to be featured in this 40 miles of bad road but i think that we probably should wrap it for now um what say you patrick i say that's
1: a great stopping point and i I think it's a testament to a great roundtable when um like i could clearly be talking for another five hours with you guys about this because i think it's been fucking fascinating so i I definitely want to flag this for a follow-up
2: what i would like to do is uh Offer this up to certainly all of us who are here and all of our the people who are listening to this and we can make a post maybe uh, Sean or Connor or Mike whoever wants to make a post and kind of ask people questions So then the part two of this because I think we do need a part two to kind of dig in as to the relationship that people have with aliens um, and that juxtaposed with the relationship we have with these other films and talk about that feedback and read it and uh Investigate this a little further in a part two. Totally. If you guys are willing. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah! For more on this and our other projects, please visit www.perfectorganism.com. If you'd like to join the conversation, Find us on our closed Facebook group, Building Better Worlds. To support the show, please consider visiting www.perfectorganism.com forward slash support. We've got some great perks available. And as always, please consider rating, reviewing, and sharing the show. We can't tell you how much your support means to us, but we can hopefully show you by continuing to provide better, more ambitious, and more dynamic content for years to come.